You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And this week, we're wrapping up Halloween month, our Amityville franchise review. Matt, introduce the Canadian film that's going to end this. So this is the fifth film uh, chronologically in the Amityville series. This is the Amityville Curse. Three years ago, an unspeakable horror gripped the town of Amityville. Now, this house of possession has new tenants. So this is Amityville. Hey, Marv, there must be something wrong with this place, huh? Just some minor repairs. And within this house, the past haunts the present. To the house. To the house. A past that will not die. It brought us here, Marvin. It? What is it? The house. Something about the house. It's been trying to communicate with ever since we got here. Even before in my dreams. A past that holds an ancient curse that strikes the living. Amityville curse lives on. Yeah, I feel like we're cursed after watching this. <laughs> or is it, or is it this series that's cursed? Because <laughs> it's just a lot of stinkers in this early part of this series. Yeah, I thought the last one would probably be one of the worst. Not so much because it was entertaining. It was entertaining to talk about mostly. I don't know if the movie was so much entertaining on purpose, but it certainly had some goofy aspects and you know with the jersey ghouls on we you know we always had fun when we got to this one this was a snooze fest this took me three viewings to finish yeah i actually exact same uh, three times uh three nights putting it on and then falling asleep while while watching it yeah it i literally didn't think it could get any worse than four because four like i i was pretty hard on like and i'm i'm these kind of movies I'm not typically that hard on <laughs> and I was pretty hard on four and I was like there's no way that this is going to be worse it's a Vidmark one I like you know some of the later ones like Amityville Dollhouse that like Vidmark put out so I was like there's no way and it's worse <laughs> it's much worse <laughs> yeah so was this the first time you've seen it yes I had not even I had never seen this before I it's a hard one to come across my video store growing up didn't have it so I just I never saw this one me neither. I didn't actually know this one really existed until maybe five years ago. No, not maybe three. I don't know. It's just something that I never came across. And I wasn't a big Amityville fan. So what, you know, why would I? Why would I search it out? Why would I find it? And then when I started to become a collector of VHS, you know, Vidmark is always a collector's kind of one of their favorite 
slipcover distributors because they always typically put something, you know, pretty crazy over the top or just fun to look at. Yeah, this one is kind of no exception. This one has a really cool uh, cover for unfortunately kind of a boring movie. Yeah, and this is a tough one to find because there is a small controversy to it. And I'm sure it also has something to do with, you know, how many people, how many VHS rental shops were like, oh, I got to get this one. The fifth one in the series. This is when they really get good. Uh, nope. <laughs> I they it's funny. The one the version I watched was on a screener. And of course, because it's a Vidmark screener, there's a wonderful quick promo at the beginning trying to sell you the tape and everything like that. It It does say that like it's pitched to the video store suppliers is that the Amityville series is a hundred million dollar franchise. This is poised to be the biggest horror hit of the year. You know, the typical Vidmark pitch that they give in these uh, promos. Uh, but they, they were, they were really pushing that like, hey, the Amityville series is really marketable. I, okay, fine. I get but it. But I don't that's know if it worked. The, yeah. I don't know if it worked. <laughs> like I get, you know, the screen copy, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to push as hard as you possibly can. It's just, well, oh, man, I'm pretty sure after 30 minutes of watching this film at the video store, you know, Todd would be like, yeah, we ain't getting this. Don't do it. <laughs> and I wonder, too, if that has something like, or I wonder if later on down the line, it not selling or not being as interesting or the controversy with the cover. This has not come out on DVD. This has not come out on Blu-ray. I don't even know who owns it. There is a, a semi HD copy on prime right now, but I don't know who has it, you know? And uh, like I said, there's been no physical release since these VHSs. Speaking of, yeah, a good copy. There's a good one on YouTube. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it's the exact same rip that's on prime. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone's taken this down. I, Again, like you were just saying, I don't know who owns the rights to this. Yeah, I wouldn't even know. Like, I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, I think, well, I think we would have seen, especially with like the Vinegar Syndrome sequels box set that came out last year of all the Amityvilles. I think we would have seen some kind of a release for it if there was a distributor that actually could put it out. Well, I mean, if we're walking down the video store, you want to describe your front of your box? Sure. So mine's, like I said, mine's a screener. So it does have the ticker running across the middle that says like screener and or trailer, not for rent or sale. But besides that, I think the cover is one of the covers that this VHS has. And it says a return to the most dangerous house in the world. Kind of orangey Halloweeny tint. Uh, orange and yellow with the black. It says the Amityville curse. And we see the house, which is not the Amityville house. It's the house that's specific to this movie. Uh, we got lightning in the background, kind of a sunset. And then in the foreground, hanging from a tree, there's like a teenager uh, dead in front of the house. Yep. So this gets into the controversy. It's, it's a small one. It's just moms didn't like seeing that, you know, a kid was hanging on a VHS cover. And I'm sure coupled with, you know, this movie's kind of boring. Maybe they weren't renting a lot of them. They got taken off the shelves in a lot of places. So what replaced it? Is it the stretchy face cover that I've seen or is that a foreign one? No, the one that replaced it just has a border around the edges and they got rid of the kid and they brightened up the house a little bit. It still has the tree, though. <laughs> so they just literally erased the kid. Erase the kid, turned on the lights. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so that's what they did. But it was a different company. It came out in 1992. 
And it's not uh, from VHS Collector that has it. It's not a Canadian release, but I'm assuming the 92 one, the, the 1990 right here is the Canadian release or, you know, what they kind of say it as. And then the 92 is probably the re-release for the States. But I don't know why you'd end up, why a company would take the distribution rights, you know, unless they got it in like a hall or something like, oh, please take, you know, these five movies and we'll include Amityville in it. And then they just redid it to maybe try to make some money. Yeah, that's funny because Vidmark hung on to the rest of them because Vidmark is the one who ended up putting out It's About Time and Dollhouse and Next Generation. And they were the ones who put out four. So even they gave up on this one. Yeah, that's why I'm wondering. Well, you know what? Maybe this first one is the United States or the North American release. And then maybe they just released it in like something like Canada and they put a new VHS cover on it because maybe it just did better in Canada. I don't know. Yeah, this this was a Canadian made production, so maybe you know, just sold better in its home home territory. Yeah. So you have a screener copy. Do you have a description on the back? I don't. My back is uh, the cover for the movie Nightwish, which is also on the tape, which is a common Vidmark thing that they stick two movies on these guys. So Nightwish is my back. Yeah, Nightwish. Huh. I I've seen the trailer. Yeah, the trailer's on on this tape, obviously, too. They do the trailer for Nightwish and for Amityville Curse uh, before the movie starts. And I will say, like, um, if you hadn't seen, I don't know if you've researched it or anything like that, but if you hadn't seen the trailer for Amityville Curse, the trailer's pretty good and makes the movie look really interesting. But I think it's just clever editing because <laughs> I don't know what they were pulling from because it wasn't the movie I watched. <laughs> so one thing that's... And before I get into the description is the director is a director that mostly did thrillers and uh, whodunits, detective stories. You can really tell when you stick in this tape or you're watching it on YouTube or Prime that he's trying to put together some detective BS in our horror film or yeah. whodunit, not detective. It's more like a crime whodunit thriller horror th mixture that just kind of doesn't work yeah it was it's a they're figuring out who cursed the house i guess is the mystery of it or where did this curse come from whatever but yeah it, and i think that's what makes the movie honestly feel so stale because when we go to see amityville stuff we want to see the crazy shit we want to see the flies we want to see the monsters we want to see the cursed objects we want to see the bleeding walls or stairs and we want to see black goo we want to see that kind of stuff and this movie is more them trying to figure out what's going on a lot of tangible stuff but no spooky elements really for like the first hour of this movie <laughs> Oh, the pacing. Oh, it's so rough. Kim Coates can't even help this. <laughs> the only name that I recognized in this movie. Anyone who's watched Sons of Anarchy knows Kim Coates. <laughs> and his name is so boring in this. Frank. Frank. He also like, they have him listed as the first build in the credits. So I wonder if he was kind of starting to become known a little bit more as a character actor at this time or whatever but he's like not the star of the movie he's barely featured yeah maybe he was taking off i don't yeah i don't know why he was first listed in there and i and I, because he's not in the movie that much he sees one of the guys i guess that makes it to the end spoiler but like uh he's not like the main guy i feel like the main guy is the guy who buys the house yeah and for a guy who plays a lot of like tough american roles in his career as it grew uh, he's Canadian and I never knew it. That's funny. Yep. Yeah, and he's, he's not a tough guy in this at all. <laughs> no, same thing with Michael Ironside, who's like a really nice down to earth, 
fun guy who always plays the tough guy roles. Yeah, funny. Love it. <laughs> I bet Kim Coates is really sweet too. Yeah, I mean, he does a lot of conventions and stuff like that because of Sons of Anarchy. So if fans are always coming up to see him, you know, he probably wouldn't be a dick. Yeah, when the world reopens, we should uh, find him one day and be like, can you sign our uh, Amityville Curse VHS? And he'll be like, what the fuck? He'll <laughs> be like, if you really want me to, <laughs> I'll take your money. Uh, yeah, he sure will. but i'll read the description on the back of this we've got the amneville curse in that cool font uh we've got a rated r sticker to the left the upper left it it kind of covers up the a of the amneville so you know there's they had plenty of room on the other side to stick it but nope nope let's stick it over the title because we don't care uh todd so we've got three production stills no i'm sorry three screenshots maybe one in the middle is a production still i can't quite tell it's definitely part of the marketing we got um kim coates all messed up at the end with goop all over him blood maybe he's got something in his hand looks like he's gonna do something violent the middle screenshot or production still i don't know is like the screaming face that looks like it's being pushed through a wall think nightmare in elm street where freddie pokes his head into like the wall when he's looking to kill you know you remember that famous shot mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know if it's like latex the person's screaming into yeah it's it's the same technique or whatever they used in nightmare and Street. there's a scene in the movie where like uh the the main girl in the movie's looking at like these this cursed uh thing that the priest gets killed in at the beginning of the movie which we find out wasn't actually at the beginning of the movie and then she's looking at this thing and then there's like a a face with hands that kind of stretches out while she's looking at it very much the exact same way as in Nightmare on Elm Street yeah we're gonna have to talk about this film and figure some things out I don't want to talk about a lot about this film because there's just not much but there is some things I don't understand (laughs) and a lot of that might have been because I had to watch it in three different parts and you just kind of like forget yeah, well, when nothing's going on, it's hard to latch on to anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the last one, the one to the right is Debbie. I think that's the character's name. Anyway, she looks scared, uh, which she was scared, uh, I'd say, about 90% of this film. <laughs> yeah. And if it wasn't something actually to be scared at, she was just like kind of like a nervous wreck. I don't think she wanted to be in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Strange voices, wild hallucinations, and a rotting, deformed corpse terrify the unsuspecting new owners of a dilapidated, <laughs> dilapidated old mansion, can't read words hard, in legendary Abneyville. Debbie, Marvin, and three friends plan to refurbish the house as an investment. But as soon as they move in, the nightmares begin. Debbie, the most physically gifted what that doesn't make any sense <laughs> i think that's a not a typo but they use don't they yeah, mean psychically psycholo- yeah psychically or psychologically gifted or something like that because physically gifted would make me think that she's like built or something like strong <laughs> i think they use the wrong word yeah not surprised Yes, seems to almost feel the terror as it moves from room to room. Is it a ghost of the murdered priest? Father, do you know this father's last name? Precorious? Precarious? 
No. <laughs> uh, trying to warn them because I remember hearing it and I'm like, what is he, Roman? What the hell is this? <gasps> the only name I, I'll interrupt you here for a sec. The only name I remember in this movie is Mrs. Moriarty. And it's because they say it about 50 fucking thousand times. Yes, in the yeah. Movie. <laughs> <sighs> or is it another unseen presence in the house bent on bloody revenge? As the curse power grows, Debbie's tortured nightmares give her clues to the real secret of the house. In a desperate battle against the forces of evil, Debbie tries to save the lives of her friends and break the Amityville curse forever before the house launches its final assault. Here's something. First of all, this was an investment from the couple, not all the friends, but the friends do come to help, which I don't understand because I never caught that they all put money in up for this. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that the couple is the one who bought the house. But the other people are helping them, and I think they're going to use it for something. Like, I think the five of them are all going to use this house. I don't know if it's for a business they have together or if it's for something they do together. I think they're all... The idea, I think, there is that the five of them are going to all use this house. For what, though? I do not know. Yeah, and then it says, is the ghost of the murdered priest, Father Pisarius? I don't know his name. Um, And... Or is he trying to warn them? I don't remember the father's ghost doing anything. No, unless they're trying to make you think that the priest is the malevolent force. And like, like are they trying to bait and switch you with that description? But they're really like the, the malevolent force or whatever in the house. We don't really see until it is Kim Coates anyway. So I don't I, I don't know why they're doing well, it that way. And I don't understand the malevolent force in this whole thing because it's a dude at the end. It's a person. It's Kim Coates. Uh, Warning, spoilers, (laughs) if anyone gives a (laughs) shit. Did it enter his body? I'm so confused on a lot of this whodunit because it's pretty obvious who did it. I'd say about 30 minutes in or maybe 45. Halfway through this film, I I was like, oh, it's, mm, it's Kim Coates. He is possessed. He is. So it's not just like he's a murderer or whatever. He is possessed by something. What, though? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Okay. And oh, man, let's just pop the tape in. (laughs) Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. So we got this movie going on. Uh, I got the trailer, the same trailer you did, except I got it twice. Instead of put, I think they meant to put the Amityville Curse trailer. And then what was the I forget the movie. Yeah, Nightwish. They put Nightwish twice. Oh, nice. <laughs> so what that clearly was. VHS is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's physically gifted, which I think they mean psychological. I don't even know. They don't even mean psychologically gifted. I don't know what word they meant to use. Like, yeah, spiritually. I don't know. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know what they're trying to say with that. She, you could just say gifted. She's gifted and can hear spirits, which I didn't get from the movie, but you could put that on the description. Um, but physically gifted means something else. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So feature presentation after uh, getting two <laughs> fucking trailers and at least you got the curse trailer. Yeah. Like I said, it was good. It's a good trailer. It's a it's a makes a movie look pretty exciting and looks like there's going to be a ton of supernatural shit in there they must have just chopped a bunch of bits from the end and put it throughout uh this trailer because i 
I didn't see the movie that was advertised in the trailer. And I will say Nightwish looks good. I didn't watch it on this tape because I had to watch the other Amityville movie before we recorded this that I'll talk about later. But I did not watch Nightwish, but it does look good. I think I'm going to I'm going to enjoy watching that one. I hope. Yeah, let us know. And now our feature presentation. It starts with the priest dying, which I find pretty funny on IMDb. They don't even put the priest's name. They just say priest. Yeah, it's the same on the Wikipedia, because before we started recording, you said, do you remember anybody's name in this movie? And other than Mrs. Moriarty, I did not. Uh, so I pulled it up the Wikipedia. The Wikipedia says the same thing. It just says priest. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, did, I wonder if they never used his name in the movie. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear anybody say it. Oh, man. What a what a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the priest, the father dies. Someone kills him in his confessional booth. Shoots him and then runs out and Mrs. Moriarty comes in, which is just a goofball character and does not feel like should be in this film. Like, I understand why her character's in this film. You know, she's clearly like the assistant to the father, but the way she acts is a different tone, almost like a like she's in a comedy. Yeah, it reminded me of like her character reminded me of uh, some of the side characters in like Howling 3, the marsupials. Yes, uh, because they have those over the top wacky. Like I remember like the uh, the older women characters or whatever in there and like the nuns and stuff like, like the being like silly. So but she feels like a character in that. Whereas everybody else feels like they're like a character in like a boring TV movie or something. <laughs> yeah, this definitely has a TV movie feeling. And when I, I looked up and I was like, I wonder if this had, you know, if this was being shot for a TV movie. No, no, this uh, this Tom Barry had made an entire career of making um, low budget thrillers. So he knew what he was doing. And I'm assuming the intent must have be must have been to do a direct to video for this because it's the route that the rest of the movies went down. I'm assuming that this was always intended to be direct to video. Yeah, I, really, what this reminds me of is all those early '80s, you know, Canadian tax uh, benefit movies that came out where they would get some type of benefit, shoot a movie, uh, tax breaks and everything like that, and then they'd spit it out to America. So they'd always try to make these American horror films. But Canadian horror films during a certain time period, like Prom Night and everything, they were slower and kind of weird, I guess you could say, but definitely not what we're used to. Because in the 80s, it was all about, you know, just more, more, more. Right. And I think we remember we kind of talked about that a little bit on one of our early episodes when we watched American Nightmare. Yeah. The Canadian one. Like, yeah, we kind of broke down how like these are made to sell to other territories almost kind of. And they're, yeah, they're tax shelter things. They're cheap to make in Canada and then you can distribute them everywhere. Yeah. So that that's what this felt like. But this was after the Canadian tax shelter stuff. You're right. This is much later. This is 89. They're shooting this. Yeah, so I, I, I really don't understand this one. I don't understand how after watching the first and the second especially and the third where you're like, you know what? Let's turn this into a thriller and slow it down. What? That American audiences, especially this late in the game in the 80s when, you know, horror was just cratering because we, we were just tired of it. You know, franchise fatigue and slasher fatigue and all that. Then they come up with something slower. Uh... Good luck. But maybe that contributed to it. Maybe they thought, hey, hey, they want something a little bit more down to earth. No, <laughs> no, we didn't. We just wanted a break. 
Yeah, yeah, considering this came out in the same year as like Jason Takes Manhattan and like Nightmare on Elm Street 5, you know, we, we there was definitely franchise fatigue and it was like, okay, we're going to do a fifth Amityville movie, but instead of like doing anything in it, we're just going to hit the pause button. Yeah, really yeah. weird choice to continue the series in this direction. And by we, I don't mean you and I, I mean American audiences because you and I are like more, more, more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen Jason Takes Manhattan. (laughs) All right. So we get introduced to these characters. The husband who's married to shit, Debbie. I don't know. The guy, the the most ridiculous skeptic we've had in this series where it doesn't matter what happened. He was just like, there's a reasonable explanation. Have I mentioned that I'm a therapist? Yeah, just about 18 times, dude. Oh, he was so annoying. He has got to be the worst skeptic on any of these haunted house films. Also, did you feel like this was the most mismatched couple you've ever seen in one of these movies? He looked like he was like 40. She looked like she was like 20. He's a bigger guy. Nothing wrong with that or anything like that. But like he's like a bigger guy. He just kind of looks like a dad. She looks like she could she could be his daughter. Yeah, I'm thinking they came from a really small town and maybe he was the only available bachelor. He had a good job. I don't know. Something like that. That's the only way they could match because you are right. This is not a good couple. And then like the other couple, which is Kim Coates and the other girl that's in this, she's flirting with the other guy that's in this. So she's I I don't know if she's going to if she's actually with Kim Coates or if they're just sleeping together. What like what's going on there? But the yeah, just the coupling situation in this fivesome is just so strange to me. Oh, you're talking about yeah, Kim Coates's girlfriend. I don't Maybe know because she's hitting on the other guy too. So yeah, because at the <laughs> dinner table that one time he made a joke. He's like, "Well, I do need a woman," and she's like, "Well, we'll see what happens." And I'm like, "What? What just you're?" boyfriend's upstairs sick with a migraine because he's not actually sick with a migraine he's being taken over he's being possessed by the house i guess we didn't even say that this is not the house at all oh yes it is it is in amityville it is in amityville because they show us the sign a bunch of times so we're supposed to assume that they are in amityville new york but this is not the house and i'm not just saying like oh they used a different house to film it no 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 in the story, this is not even supposed to be the same house as the original. Why they made that choice, I don't know. I guess they're saying that all houses in Amityville are cursed. Yes. I, so I heard an explanation of this. and it's, You know, this is pretty weak. The writer, and I had a search for this. Uh, the writer basically said, oh, you know, the house exploded. So we thought maybe Amityville, the town, the fictional town, could carry the curse from house to house, but this is not the same demon or the same evil spirit or whatever the force. Yeah, this this is uh, I mean, the last one, the evil escapes started where we no longer needed the house. And now curse kind of starts. We don't need any connection to the house, even because I think even it's about time. The clock, you never see the clock in the original house it just shows up in like whatever california town they're in in that movie yeah i mean then then the rest of the series is just cursed objects we get the mirror after and seven and then we get the dollhouse and dollhouse so 
it, it, we're done with the house, I guess, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we've um, moved on. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because it exploded in 3D and they're like, OK, well, the house is gone. And like for some reason, writers decided to keep that, you know, continually going on throughout the franchise. Because I haven't seen every one. You know, I haven't seen Dollhouse. Mm. So and uh, whatever else is down the line that, you know, eventually we might revisit, you know, further melt our brains. Yeah, if we, we'll do the last five in the official series at some at some point, but we'll take a little break first. <laughs> yeah, we'll just pour battery acid down our ear holes. <laughs> Back to like the connection. I also saw another theory online that I like, but I it's a, it, I, it doesn't make me like the movie, but I like the theory that the house is actually connected through the tunnels that we see mm-hmm. in the other movies uh, in the basement. So we've seen tunnels in the house in, in two and three. So the tunnels connect to this house because we are in this house's basement where mm-hmm. a lot of the hauntings seem to be coming from. So there's a theory online that their tunnels run underneath both of these houses and connect them. And that's why this one's cursed. And I just think that's so hilarious. I think that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I went down that rabbit hole after you texted me that. That's just totally hilarious. Because this film, they actually do put a reference, a, a brief reference to the DeFeo murders, but they don't actually say the DeFeo name. Whatever. And I, uh, I didn't even catch it because like, I saw that when I was looking up the stuff about the tunnels under the house. I saw that they were like, this movie only briefly mentions the DeFeo murders. I was paying attention. Like, I was falling asleep. But I was paying attention to this movie. I did not catch that reference anywhere. Uh, it was either in the bar or when the detective was downstairs with them. And I mean, it was brief. It was I think it was the bar. Now I can't remember, but I remember actually hearing it and I'm like, wait, so this movie's linked? (laughs) Just like, whatever. (laughs) I just I don't know why they needed to keep the consistency through this series, like that the house blew up at three and then we still needed to make more movies. Why couldn't we just like had the house just be back? You know, like I don't understand why they felt the need to keep the canon house blowing up. All the way through nah. eight movies. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know, but can you explain who the kid is that hung himself? I don't know who he is. I have no idea either. <laughs> she looks out the window, she sees him, she screams, and that's it. That's all I got from that. That's <laughs> all I got, too. Uh, it, I was so confused. Yeah, and then they call the cops or something, and then there's no, and then nothing comes of it. The guy talks to the cop, and they're like, yep, this house has some stuff about it and the guy's like nope and then that's it <laughs> like that's all i i yeah i don't know what that was all about either yeah it's uh, and then um the one woman um uh, mrs moriarty comes over she f- she gets pushed down the stairs which is clearly kim coates mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean they show him in his sweater his like white 90s sweater that he's got on and then the next shot he's talking to the cops he's like i don't know i just came downstairs and she was dead and they don't have any, it's like they don't really take him into questioning. They're just like, yeah, you look like a trustworthy guy. All right, so we'll just take this body away. By the way, uh, she worked for the priest that used to live here. Uh, he died, and that's his confessional. <laughs> I was like, uh, wait, what? So, okay, you mentioned at the beginning that the beginning actually didn't happen in the in the past. I didn't pick up on that. I thought it happened like many years in the past, and they took all the shit from the church and shoved it in this basement and then no one's been in this house for this long. No, you're right. But then the way they set it up with the priest getting killed again later in the movie, it's almost exactly the same, but it's Kim Coates who's doing it. 
and I and they never say that it's any kind of like flashback. So it almost kind of begins this or same way it, it, the climax of the movie is. But I don't understand sort of chronologically then where this why the priest being killed by Kim Coates, how that, you know, ties to the beginning. It's almost I don't I don't understand the time loop that's happening here. And I can say that the Cinemax actress, I don't know if she's actually in Cinemax, but as soon as I saw her on there, you know, the girlfriend of Kim Coates, I was like, well, she's getting naked. And then she never does. I don't think. No, they but, like tease it. They like, yeah. She has like a bath scene and a shower scene, but yeah, they never show yeah. it. Yeah. Did you think she was like a Cinemax actress or something like that? in one of those late, you know, sleazy, an excuse to show boobs movies like i she showed up with the group and i was like okay this is the girl that's gonna get naked in the movie (laughs) like and this is no like uh offense to her it's just the way they've portrayed the character like i was like oh yeah she's set up to be the naked oh yeah the movie (laughs) she comes with her you know it's almost like she should have arrived in a motorcycle and taken off her helmet and like you know just whipped her hair everywhere because as soon as she comes on screen i'm like lipstick tight jeans, tight 90s jeans, which, you know, are back now. But (laughs) I just thought it and I was like, "Mm, yep, okay, I know your role. And then to their credit, they never do it. And I'm wondering if it was like the director's like, yes, because this is more of a serious film. Very serious. Or or they hired her because they were like, yeah, she's going to be our like sort of person that we're going to get naked in the movie and then they showed up on set and she was like no i'm not going to do that and they were like all right we're going to work our way around this as much as we can you're going to get in the bath but we just like won't show nip (laughs) yeah like she got there and she's like yeah i so i I made another pass through the script and i'm just not going to do it for this film (laughs) i know i said i would but no and they're like well we're already on we're already at the set so okay (laughs) (laughs) oh Fucking hilarious. I hope that really happened. Because, <laughs> you yeah. know, if you went all the way to this <laughs> to wherever you're going to shoot, you don't have, in a small budget film. You don't have time to recast. You're just like, fuck it. We'll work with it. Yeah, we'll do what we can here. Uh, and I, that could be the case. Like, it really it could be. But I, I don't know. I can't. I don't for know. Sure, but it's so funny. It's yeah. Well, we have to make up our own story on this because the story that we watched wasn't very good. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, I mean, they they go to the bar. I like the bar scene. But other than that, they just I don't know how the shitty husband dies. Uh, I can't remember the therapist. Do you remember the, you know, the husband of the really bad couple? I don't recall how he died. I can't picture him either because the end scene is with the two ladies and it's mm-hmm. Kim Coates who's doing it. And he does kill the blonde guy, the other guy mm-hmm. that his girlfriend flirts with. We see that. I, and also, too, by the way, all these deaths are in like the last five minutes of the movie. Does she just find his body? Maybe is he in like a closet or something or in a chair just dead? I feel like they I feel like they don't show it, but he might be a corpse in there. I might have made this up, but did Kim Coates bludgeon someone to death with a cru- crucifix? Or am I making that up? I don't remember. I watched this like a week ago before we, you know, <laughs> before we record here. And this is one of the problems. I didn't take notes on this film because I was so fucking bored. My first note was, hey, that's the girl who's going to be uh, get naked. And like, I'm so first I said, wow, Mrs. Moriarty is really annoying. Then I said, oh, there's the girl who's going to get naked. No notes <laughs> until one point when I'm like, wait, who's the kid who's hung? That's my notes. 
Well, I watched this two days ago, or finished it, I should say, two days ago, and I can't tell you either. Like, yeah. So, um, whatever. I, He's I do, just I, dead. <laughs> I can't, I feel like I can picture Kim Coates bludgeoning someone with something, but I don't remember it being necessarily a crucifix, and I couldn't tell you who it was that got bludgeoned. Well, I can tell you that he gets, at the end, when Kim Coates has turned, and his face is all, like, they put some makeup on it. It's okay. It clearly isn't someone who really knew what they were doing with horror films. So they're like, throw some goo on him. We're ready to go. Shoot him with a nail gun. And he tries to kill his girlfriend. And then I someone hits him over the head or stabs him with a spike. And then like a vampire movie. And then it's over. Basically, the two girls save each other. And that's it. One of them is in peril. The other one kills him. End of story. Like, that's it. And then the two girls make it out of their police sirens and they walk out into this, the sunrise or whatever. Like, that's it. Very- yeah, this is where Scream, uh, Scream stole the the uh, two Survivor girls. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, know. I just put that in your head. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> and uh, like we met- I mentioned hilariously the howling three earlier this movie reminds me of kind of one of the i've i've watched the entire howling series before and i recommend that no one ever does that in their life yeah stop after three (laughs) stop after three watch six that's it then just ended there this reminds me of like halloween or halloween howling four and five where nothing happens for the first hour and 15 minutes and then in the last 15 minutes we get like Oh, a werewolf prosthetic that they barely use. This is kind of the same thing. We don't really get a lot of supernatural stuff. We don't get a lot of monsters. We don't get a lot of like goop. But in the last five minutes of this movie, Kim Coates gets acid thrown on his face, which I don't know why they had just like a can of acid laying around. Uh, and then we get him oh kind of. God, all- I forgot. <laughs> He's got his face all kind of melted. So it's like our one prosthetic effect that we get in the last five minutes. It did remind me of like Howling 5. And I was just I hated that movie, too. So <laughs> I was having dark flashbacks watching this one. Yeah. So we ended. And uh, yeah, that's really all I have to say. I don't have anything to say about the film. We've already covered it. Yeah, I've, I've said all there is. Uh, I, I will say that in my opinion of the five we've watched, I think this one is the worst. Agreed. And it's a series where there's not a lot of strong entries to begin with. I, I think the first one's great. I like three, but I understand that it's kind of a bad movie, but I, I like it for whatever reason. It, it was fun for me to watch. Two, I guess, has some good stuff in it, but it's mostly just gross and I don't really like it. Four is terrible, but is laughable, I guess. And then this one is just terrible and boring. So, <laughs> yeah, it has the worst offense. Boring. Yes. You can do a lot of things. You just can't be boring. Yeah, and this one is painfully boring. Mm-hmm. So I recommend that no one watch this unless you just want to suffer. Unless you are adamant on doing the entire series, going through the entire series. I guess you have to watch this one. But like if you are just looking for like a direct to video sequel, fun 90s movie, this is not it. No, you go elsewhere. There's there's way watch like Waxwork 2 or something like that. Like, don't watch this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hell, watch Howling 3. Yeah. Watch Howling 3 instead. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just talk about the, the entire first five films and highlights and everything. I would say the best movie. I, I guess the first one's the best. I'm not saying it's bad or anything, but like, I think after watching 
five of these films, it taints the first one a bit looking back because you're like, yeah, that, that started out strong. But man, I am a really uh, kind of just a, a nice jaded filter. I'm looking back now. Yeah, it never gets it. It never even comes close to being as strong as the first one. Like no, none of the movies, none of these first five movies ever deliver on sort of the promise of the mm-hmm. first one at all. And yeah, that's that's what kind of taints it. It's like, oh, you could have done so much with this series and just not nah. <laughs> like it, none of the movies ever got it. Yeah, I feel like the second one, now that I look back, is actually the most interesting. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm not saying it's a great film. I'm saying looking back through these five films now, it's the one that stands out as some really interesting topics that they tried to tackle. It is the most insane. You know, it's the most kind of throw as many ideas at the board as possible movie mm-hmm. of the of this series. And it has probably the best makeup effects, I would say, easily. The yeah. end where he, um, it wasn't DeFeo. I don't even know. I can't even remember. The Mont- Montelli's? Something like that. Yeah, they changed the name. Yeah. So anyway, the son at the end where he's completely possessed and then he like, splits out of his demon alien body that they bring back for 3D or at least a version of that. Mm-hmm. That was really good special effects at the end. Problem is it just came after some of the most boring first, you know, middle 30 minutes. Yeah, and incest and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And the gross stuff and my number one offense uh of just all soft focus lighting. I can't stand movies that are all soft focus lit and part 2 is all soft focus. Mm-hmm. Lit. <laughs> yeah, they made that they made a few of that in the first one too when I look back and some of the like one of the scene two of the scenes that I ripped uh ripped for YouTube and put it up. I noticed I was like, "Oh, it's soft focus lighting because the first one's supposed to be out. The first one is outside and the blonde haired guy friend that was in it, mm-hmm. you can tell. And then when they're in the bar and I was like, oh, but that's a 70s shit bullshit. And same thing. Well, I guess because the second one came out, you know, in the early 80s, there was something about that. I don't know why they decided to do it. I don't know if it was because soap operas on TV did it so much. I don't know. Yeah, there definitely was a trend through the late, the mid 70s through the early 80s of the soft focus lighting movies. But like you were saying, like the first movie has it in parts, which doesn't bother me if it's in scenes, whatever. The second movie, the whole movie is soft focus lighting. And that's so exhausting to me to watch. That's why I can't watch like prom night, the first one, because it's all soft focus lighting and it drives me crazy. (laughs) Yeah, one of the things that's painful for me to watch, and this is just about shooting is there was a certain part during the 90s where I loved they became very experimental with their shots, but too many directors or cinematographers became... They started shooting like normal scenes in like extreme angles. And I'm like, no, okay, use it for a scene that, you know, you need some type of view like that, you know, or something's happening or, you know, you're trying to... When people are just talking, just keep it level. (laughs) Like, don't shoot it through. I can't remember what film it was, but they shot it through a uh, the little hole in the top of a soap uh, a soda can where you pop it open. Mm -hmm. They shot it through a hole of that when the two people are just talking. I'm like, no, no. 
that makes me think of like the first Thor movie and how like anytime anyone had any kind of uh and I mean this is recent this is Thor this is recent but like uh, yeah within ten years everything was like Dutch angled it for some reason when anytime anybody had a conversation and I was like it's Thor why is everything Dutch angled (laughs) if you were to do for Thor a drinking game of every time there's a Dutch angle take a shot you would be dead in the first thirty minutes. Uh, is I guess is that the show power like with all these big time characters you know his dad and Thor I don't know well, let's not get into Thor but I find that fascinating because I haven't rewatched that probably in, in legitimately five seven years yeah it uh it's just like yeah it's one of those things are you talking about like why useless sort of use of the angles or camera tricks or whatever it's like yeah save it for when it's special save it for when it's a crazy moment. Yeah. Angle is supposed to be when your world's turning, not the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Save the extreme angles like that during normal circumstances, like you said, for moments, but also just let the independent directors do that of the early nineties. <laughs> They're just like, I just, we just wanted to do this, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know, <laughs> uh, but that's fine. Independent films, but, uh, and you know what? Even independent films, calm down a little bit. Calm down. Yeah, you, could, you could you can have interesting camera work. Just you know, don't just do one thing the whole movie. Yeah, you know, have your whole movie back to Amityville, just soft focus lit for the entire thing for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, we'll wrap it up for the entire talk about Amityville franchise. Are you legitimately interested in ever doing like? Six through ten. I mean, yes, because I'm going to end up watching them anyway. I am. I bought that Vinegar Syndrome said I'm going to watch It's About Time, Next Generation and Dollhouse. Um, and then might as well just do the remake in the Bella Thorne one, the reboot from a couple years ago. Uh, Was that well the Haunting? It. No, the Awakening? Awakening, yeah. Okay, well, I'll then uh, speaking of getting into recent ones, you watched the Amityville Harvest. I did. So the reason we kind of split up the recording of these shows, I said, I want to wait to do the last one until after Harvest comes out because I knew Harvest was coming out soon around Halloween. So I was like, let's split it up so that I'll watch Curse and Harvest sort of last. And Harvest is the latest in the just we can use Amityville name and we're going to make a movie out of its series. So this is not at all connected to our base 10 series that we were just talking about and how we just watched the first five of them. This one's not connected. This is just a, we can use the name, you know, whatever. But I figured since it was coming out around the time we were recording these, I would rent it and check it out. So I spent $5 and I rented this thing and oh my God, (laughs) just when I thought it could not get any worse after watching curse, Amityville harvest had to come out this year and prove me wrong that it couldn't get any worse. Wowzers. You know, I gave the filmmakers my money. I spent money to rent it. Good for them. I'm glad they got it. But holy shit, this was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. We'll just pretend it was a wild hallucination. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Except when you look at your bank statement, you're like, fuck, $5 is still gone. (laughs) (laughs) I might as well have just thrown it away in the garbage, that $5. Well, that's not necessarily true. Now you have warned the public. Our loyal listeners now know, don't do it. Yeah, if you're ever going to try to do like all of them, like anything named Amityville, just don't. 
don't even don't even subject yourself to it. It's not even worth it. Uh, the Amityville Harvest doesn't. It takes place. It's another one like Curse. It takes place in New York, but not in the house. Uh, and it's like uh, an investigative journalist team goes into this house to interview this guy about his connection, his family connections to the Civil War. And it turns out he is the guy from the Civil War. He's a vampire and has been living in this funeral home house for hundreds of years. And then all these people that are investigating get picked off one by one by this vampire and some ghosts that are in the house. And that's about it. But it is an hour and a half. It is painfully boring. It's a lot of talking heads and it's just not particularly interesting. And like I said, it has nothing to do really with Amityville at all whatsoever or harvesting really either. (laughs) So what type of vampire is he? Is he like drinking blood vampire or is he like more of a someone who feasts on people? Uh, It's a it's a plastic teeth bought at a convenience store. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. I guess Amityville finally hit the vampire wing. (laughs) They're like, well, whatever. I don't fucking care. Just put the name on it. Let's put it out. Yeah, and I mean, it must have worked for getting picked up because Lionsgate ended up distributing it. And yeah, Lionsgate makes theatrical stuff, but they they do pick up stuff for direct-to-video that is kind of along this line. But like, still, it's Lionsgate. It's a pretty good good deal. I mean, this movie's going to be in Walmarts and stores that still carry DVDs. So it's going to get out there. So good for them for getting that distribution. And I'm sure the Amityville name helped. But uh, yeah, it's a bad one. I would say avoid at all costs. It's it's worse than Curse, I would say for sure. Ouch. That's hard to do. <laughs> wow. <sighs> all right. Uh, let's get into the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out into the film jungle and bring something back for our Amneville wing of our museum. We've had some pretty good ones with Ashley coming in and we made an entire haunted house, I believe, in number one. And and then number two, you know, we did our best. And number three and four with the Jersey Ghouls, we just went crazy with it. So the curse... Oh, oh, do you have anything? I mean, I could do I could do for this one. I could do a positive and a negative. And the positive I would give is the cover. I think it's a really good VHS cover before they remove the hanging body. Uh, I like it a lot. It's but at the same time, I don't know if I want to give anything really good to this movie because we tend to judge books by their cover. And this is. Definitely one where we shouldn't judge it by its cover here. Um, So maybe my negative that I'll put in the movie is just the script for this was just so boring. And the characters didn't make any sense. The the casting didn't make any sense for it, I think. But I think it all started with a bad script. Yeah, you just took mine. Fuck. Um, (laughs) I guess I'll... Okay, if you're going to do a whodunit, I guess this kind of like is is leeching off your script, (laughs) maybe. But if you're going to do a whodunit, can you at least make the mystery interesting? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, like it's it's just sort of like the subgenre added to this movie. The unnecessary subgenre added to this movie is definitely one of its main problems. Well, there's no like, 
you know, tropes of a whodunit. There's no red herring. There's no mystery. Like, I'm not trying to figure, you know, there's no mystery to it. It's like the house is haunted and they're trying to figure out if it's haunted, you know? like. (laughs) Yeah, they tried with the whole clues of the wedding photo they, they found. But then they just drop it for a really long time. And then in the end, she finds she's like, oh, it wasn't that date. It's this date. And now I know it's Kim Coates. And like, just confused. Like, really? That's it? That's all we've got? Yeah, it is (sighs) utterly perplexing for sure. Don't watch it unless you want to complete the Amityville, you know, franchise, which good luck. Good luck to you. Split it up. (laughs) Take it from us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, give yourself some breathing time. Uh, they get just incrementally worse, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. At, at least from four to five. I mean, like when you're watching four and you're like, wow, this one really stinks. I can't imagine it getting any worse than this. And then you put in five. I mean, just that realization in the first 30 minutes of five where you're like, it's worse. <laughs> like, is really disappointing. So Stop at three, honestly. If you're going to watch the series like this, just watch one, two, three. Two's interesting, at least. It's terrible, but it's interesting. And three is, I just think, like a goofy, bad movie, good time. Stop there. Don't even keep going. (laughs) Yeah. I Yeah. Okay. I agree. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let's spin this positive. It is our Halloween episode. So I figured, let's talk about what we've watched in October. Now... We've both of us naturally watched a lot of Amityville movies. Uh, you tacked on Harvest, which I'm sorry, but uh, I, I guess I'll start. Um, now, I'm not doing I never I don't do the 30 days of Halloween anymore. I was burnt out from it. And then when you add a podcast on top of it too much. Uh, so I'm very selective with what I watch. And for some reason this year, I decided to watch all three of the Sleepaway Camp movies. I had never seen two or three. This was not because I was avoiding them. I know a lot of people, including Matt from Horror Movie Night, are friends who love the Sleepaway Camp um, trilogy. I don't know if he loves three, but, you know, I've heard him talk a lot about Sleepaway Camp. So go over there and visit them if you want to hear Matt talk about that. I don't know why I hadn't seen this because I love the VHS cover from the second one. Where it's got the camper with uh, Jason's mask in it, hockey mask, and Freddy's glove. Everything. I don't know why I didn't watch it. So I finally watched it. And uh, I can say uh, the most disturbing thing in the film to me is not the murdering. Is not the, you know, how gross she is with some of her murdering. Like, you know, drowning someone in an outhouse. It is the way that Angela, the character who plays Angela, says breasts. Okay. (laughs) I'll she says to the next time I watch it, <laughs> yeah, I, there is like like she comes into the room one time and one of the girls is just like, I always sleep in the nude. She's like, I know that you like to show it off, but can you put your breasts away? <laughs> like the way she says it creeps me out. It's almost like like a creepy old man is saying it to someone who's younger and they're afraid that if they say boobies they will be judged or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. That's the creepiest moment when she says it like a, two or three times in the film. By the way, that movie has a ton of boobs. Yeah. Oh, my God. The two and three is just like nudity city. Yeah. Uh, I, I've I've gone through this series before and it's it's a wild series. It is. <laughs> yeah, I will admit um, most of the time the final scares at the end of movies. I'm kind of like, Ugh, I roll my eyes. 
what I did like at the end of the second one where she just pops up with the final girl there and she's like, howdy. She's got the hat on. That movie's so ridiculous. She kills everyone in the camp and then gets away with it. Yeah, it's pretty silly. It, it yeah. definitely they they really had fun with the second and third one. I feel like they were like, we're just going to be loose and goofy. Yeah, it's just like, fuck it. These are horror comedies now. Yeah. But the first one, man, that end, it's still <laughs> just kind of like chilling because it's so weird with that fake body or whatever they do. I don't know how they put that together, but I think it's like a, a, a real body maybe, but like then a fake face on some little boy or something. I don't remember. I, it's fucked up. Yeah. However they did it. I don't even you know know how they did it, but they did a great job of it. Uh, I, do, I did a... Uh, uh, screenings like a marathon uh, that I programmed and it was all camp themed horror movies. And of course the final movie I played in this marathon was sleepaway camp so that everybody who came to this thing, the last image they remember mm-hmm. seeing is that <laughs> you Good have job. to end on that. Yeah. You have to end on that movie. If it's a part of a marathon for sure. I, and if it's, it depends what type of crowd you'd be playing to, but the burning would be a good one to play like right before that. Oh, I played just before dawn, right before that. So okay. it's very right. similar, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> There's man, that's tough. If like, it depends how many you could air. Was it just two? I did. I think it was seven movies, and I'm, I'm oh trying to my. remember all of them. I did. I did Piranha. I did Cabin Fever one and two. I did Friday Thirteenth Part Five. I did Just Before Dawn. I did Sleepaway Camp. I feel like I'm missing one or two. I did. It was like a long stretch marathon that i put together so yeah there's so many camping movies yeah there's a i could have done the burning i could have done you know any of those but uh yeah i uh i had to end on sleepaway camp because you have to end on that image like unless of course you're watching like you did one two three then you gotta you know start with that one yeah uh i also rewatched hello mary lou prom night two and i went back and i revisited our uh recording on it Episode 10. Wow. Long time ago now. <laughs> we were we were different people then. <laughs> oh, definitely. It's so funny because we're we're definitely not as quick. You know, we're trying to figure out our format. Uh, one format that we tried that I completely forgot was where we tried to watch all the movies, you know, for each month had to come out that month. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's how we did start doing it. Yeah, it was an epic failure. It was way it was too, too hard. hard. It's too hard and it's limiting. And it's we limiting. So many yeah. Tapes we want to watch. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. But man, hello, Mary Lou. Prom night two holds up. I still love it. I love it, too. I love that one so much. Mm-hmm. Have you seen uh, prom night three or four? Yet? Yeah, I own prom night three and four. Did you watch them, though, yet? Yeah, four is boring. Four sucks. Four sucks. Three. Fantastic. OK, not as good as two. Now, I don't want to put that in anyone's head. Three is just more camp, more cheese. Sounds like uh, the Children of the Corn series, kind of. Two is the best one, and then three is uh, is the fun one that kind of follows it up. Sounds like the same kind of thing. Yeah, and then the fourth one, I don't know how far downhill Children of the Corn 4 goes, but I can tell you the fourth one. And actually, now that we mention it, the fourth one in the Prom Night series tries to go more serious say like amniville curse just doesn't work works if you've already turned your series fun you can't go back to like super serious unless the fun 
you know, like unless it's like Chucky, where the fun has gone so far over the top. But like, yeah, in like a in like a Children of the Corn or Prom Night, if you're or Amityville, if your series is starting to get fun, ride that wave, baby. <laughs> Keep making fun ones. <laughs> oh, definitely. I also went through to in my list. So I went through a Tom Savini kind of run this year for fun. I rewatched The Burning. I rewatched um, The Nightmare on uh, Nightmare. I'm sorry. I rewatched um, Night of the Living Dead that he did, mm-hmm. which I thought was actually better than what I remember. Because uh, he, I mean, a lot of people trash that. Yeah, I really like that movie. I, I really, really like that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like it more than the original. The original is my favorite of the Dead series, but like, I like the remake a lot. Yeah, when I mean, this is the first time I'd seen it probably since early 2000s. Been a long time. Nice. And yeah, I was like, you know, I'm surprised he didn't get to do more, you know, direct something else down there. Because Tom Savini loved to act. You know, he was a showman himself i ended up watching the documentary on him which i believe is on shutter i already forgot where i watched it on because it was at the beginning of october yeah it was fun to rewatch a lot of his films and uh you know the burning that fantastic scene that goes down but one of the you know one of my favorite tom savini special effects movies also toby hooper movie is texas chainsaw massacre 2 and man i just fucking love that film love it it's wild it's very wild it's a crazy movie it's what got me into um horror movie night which got me into podcasting is because one day i just like oh you know i know some people review movies on podcasts so i literally looked up and searched texas chainsaw massacre 2 and they had reviewed that i i don't know when they reviewed it but that's how i latched on to it which got us which got me into going to the movies that you played which then got me interested in like doing podcasts and finding a co-host and then boom that's how it happened it's all because of texas chainsaw massacre too that's so funny also too wasn't didn't we didn't you kind of pitch me the idea of a uh podcast when i was screening the burning <laughs> like isn't oh maybe I, I think so i think yeah i think your tom savini thing is all connected to this podcast <laughs> that's pretty crazy and which is really funny because we don't I don't think we've ever done a Tom Savini movie. I mean, yeah, we've I'd had him. To, I'd have to look at the list of stuff we've done because yeah. we've done so many. But yeah, offhand, I can't remember any. I mean, Dust Till Dawn, we've done a movie he's been in. Yeah. But, you know, because of his hands, he's got problems with his hands. He stopped doing effects and he just basically became, you know, a guy that works at his school, his Tom Savini's school. Of, I don't remember what it's called, makeup effects or whatever. And then he became just, you know, mostly acting. But he, it's a fascinating documentary on his life. His life has been pretty wacky. Yeah. Starting off military and then into George Romero, into acting, into directing. And then sort of his kind of comeback. I feel like isn't he doing more makeups now? Like not like he was before, but like on and off, isn't he? Well, he does a lot of consulting. Yeah. I think he's he's kind of back to his roots a little bit here these days i feel like yeah i mean that's a hell of a guy to come on and consult your film yeah but he stopped doing a lot of it uh not only because of his hands but because of his daughter he wanted to spend more time with his daughter that makes sense good for him yeah i i definitely recommend that uh how about you have you been watching anything this october 
Yeah, I've been watching a lot of stuff. I'm not, I too am not doing the 31 days of Halloween or anything like that. It's just like when I can uh, pop stuff in. Tom Savini related, I recently just watched Grindhouse. I hadn't seen the full version of Grindhouse in a long time. Uh, I finally picked up the Blu-ray for that so that because that's the only way you could see it all together. And so that was really fun to revisit. I hadn't seen that in years. And Tom Savini has a fun part in that. So that's what made me think of it. And I've been kicking through all the bonus features on the Blu-ray. And that's been really fun. Uh, and I really love that movie. I really adore Grindhouse. Uh, I kind of hate all the imitators that came after it. But I really like what that movie did. So that was fun. I rented one that I really liked a lot called Spontaneous came out a couple weeks ago now so if you're listening to this around Halloween it came out maybe at the beginning of the month of October uh, it's a like a teen love story but uh, it's taking place while teens at a school are all just randomly spontaneously combusting and they don't know why so it's got a lot of gore in it it's very funny but it's also pretty sad because it's dealing with like teen tragedies very reminiscent of like a Heather's uh, or like a warm bodies, it kind of feels like a little bit too. So I really, really like that one. That's a recent rental that I, I watched uh, during this Halloween season uh, that I would like to recommend. And trying to think what else. Rewatched Willard, uh, the Crispin Glover one. Oh for boy! The first time in like a, maybe since it came out. Honestly, since I bought the DVD of it. So 2004 or whatever it was. So first time in a long time. And I adore that movie. I adore Crispin Glover's performance in that movie. I love how weird it is. And I think it is a goddamn shame that Glenn Morgan only got to direct two movies. That and the Black Christmas remake. Because I fucking adore both of those movies. The Black Christmas remake. I can't remember much of that one. Yeah, the one from there. Now that there's been another remake, I'm talking about the one from like yeah. 2006. It's gross. It's weird. It's just funky. I've I've always said, and I always get a lot of flack for. I like that remake better than the original. I understand the original is like gold standard. It introduced it made slasher movies what they are today, and I think it is a great movie. But something about that remake speaks to my sensibilities more than the kind of slower kind of more serious original, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a classic, but that Black Christmas 2006, I think is fucking awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a shame Glenn Morgan only got to direct two remakes, Willard and Black Christmas, because I would have loved to have seen him do more stuff post X-Files. Who knows? Maybe someday. Yeah, we watched Willard a few times in college. And I don't know why, but I remember there was definitely two or three viewings where we watched Willard and I think it was just because it was weird. Yeah, it's a fucking weird movie. And Crispin Glover is so weird in the movie. It's great. He is a good actor, but he's definitely not acting weird. He is just uh, he's he's out there. Yeah, he is a he is a strange guy. I have I've worked with him in the past. Like I helped out on an event he was at. So I, I've worked with him in the past. He is a very nice person. He's a very like a good dude. But yeah, he is bizarre like he's just a strange guy <laughs> yeah someone told a couple stories of just the things that he would do that they didn't understand uh, i remember I, I can't remember the details of it but i definitely remember having reactions with like why and <laughs> he, he just has a really interesting i know his pre-warm-ups before he acts is very strange it, it's sad that he doesn't he didn't get into more roles after but, you know, when you jade 
<laughs> you know, Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis on the second one because didn't he like have a contract dispute where he tried to make more money than Michael J. Fox? No, he actually tried to he wasn't asked back, period. And then when they decided to use his likeness, he Oh, that's right. Sue because he wasn't paid for his likeness and he is the reason now actors get paid for use of their likeness mm-hmm. because he sued them after like yeah, but there is a reason they didn't reuse him. There is an actual reason. I don't think they liked him. Well, he's a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I think there was something about he did some things on set, which that it did end up. Yeah, you're right. I remember that story. He's the reason they get paid. So it had a good ending. Yeah, and of. I don't. I don't think he was trying to get more money in the beginning. I think the reason he, I guess, was butting heads with Zemeckis was that he was saying that he didn't think that like bad behavior should be rewarded and and like even though like the good guys win it's all about them becoming just kind of yuppies and they're you know now they're just bullying Biff and I think his thought was that they should be like better people when they come out at the end instead of just like kind of the audience favorite way of ending it but I think that was where the dispute started happening or the disagreements between between them started happening from what I heard from when I worked with them. But that's also his just opinion of it too. So I don't know. <laughs> They'll probably never settle that. Cause I, I guarantee you, I don't know. I guarantee you both sides have a different story because that's how it always is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I think like you were saying, it had a happy ending. I do think they all get along now too. I Hopefully, think everything, yeah. I think everything is kind of water under the bridge now for them, but he doesn't work like he used to though. He does. He's not in as big of movies anymore. So I will say this to younger actors. Don't let them ever take advantage of your body or anything like that. But uh, maybe step out of the way about how the story should go when you don't have any clout. Yeah. If you're signed on to do the movie you're already doing, just do that movie. Yeah. Like, you know, if they're making you do something that you're not comfortable with, with your body or, you know, saying something that they've tacked on to the script. Fine. You need to protect yourself 100 percent. But if you sign on to a movie, maybe, you know, then don't argue with some. I'm not even saying they argued. You know what I mean? I've heard these stories of younger actors where they think they're bigger than what they are. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, you're not Brad Pitt. Calm down. (laughs) You got to earn some clout first. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty funny. But it's been a fun time in October. Uh, I wish this Amityville franchise would have ended on a higher note. But hey, at least we got to talk about movies we've been watching in October. Yeah, and I, I don't regret it. It's, I was going to do this. No, not at anyway. all. I wanted to see all the movies. I still want to see the rest of them. So at some point we are going to do the bottom five. I don't regret it. I just don't think I'm ever going to revisit the at least four and five ever again. <laughs> no, and I think next time we do a franchise review for October, we should stick to something that we know is over the top. I don't know. Uh, Return of the Living Dead just came to mind. Like, isn't there like four of those? There's five of those. Yeah. Five, oh my god! But I, I know I've seen. I think the fourth one, Return of the Living Dead, and while it's not a good one, it is fucking insane. Oh yeah, uh, all five of those movies are batshit, and like, they, <laughs> yeah, they again they get progressively worse as they go on. But at least there's stuff to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm just saying we need to concentrate. I don't regret this either. But at a certain point, I'm like, oh, man, there, there was a point in number four. And I go, yeah, 
Yeah, this is going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it happens. I'm glad we did it. (laughs) And we all should say, I I believe this is episode 150. Oh, nice. Uh, It's incredible. What an incredible ride. And we're not done. I just I can't believe we've done 150, but then when I try to think back at all the movies we've done, I'm like, I don't even I don't know. There's a whole part in like the middle that I don't I don't even remember how many movies we did. (laughs) It's because after a while they became too much work, and then we hit our like some kind of a weird stride now where I'm just like spewing nonsense, and apparently people like it, and they you know they certainly like you, so whatever. Thanks, Terminator, for <laughs> helping us boost them numbies. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't believe it. I can't believe the Terminator seems to be like the huge turd where our numbers have just spiked. I'm sure it also has something to do with this uh, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's you. Yeah, that too. I won't say thanks for that, but I will say thanks to Terminator. <laughs> thanks, Linda Hamilton, and especially thanks, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> All right, until we get into next week where we do our traditional Halloween hangover film, that's going to end it. So remember to be kind. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, just, I was just agreeing with you. Just yes. <laughs> so remember to be kind. And rewind. Rewind.